am I doing here? Okay. It's been it's been like a month. Okay, I don't know how to record anymore. <laughs> Hello and welcome to JudgeCast. This is episode number 144. My name is Cedar Schrader and with me, as always, my two delightful co-hosts. First off, we have Jess Dunks. This is Jess. And Brian Proman. This is also Jess. Yeah, you all tried to replace me. We did and you came back. I We, we actually succeeded in replacing you. We have just okay, allowed true. you to come back on the show. <laughs> that, yeah, I am bad. That's a fair point. You're not even recording this one. No. Yeah, I, I know. I'm slowly being phased out. <laughs> if 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 only we wrote the show notes, posted to the website, posted to the RSS feed, posted to the forums, all the social media outlets. Um, and I'm pretty sure other. he's actually got that automated. It just happens when he puts the post sure. up. No. But none of us know how to do it. <laughs> only Twitter and Facebook are automated at this point. Oh. Okay. So you what actually I, have to what I enjoy is. If I asked you, oh, sorry, Tumblr too. I forgot that one was even there. Uh, what's funny is if I asked you all to list everywhere we were posted, I wonder if you would know. Um, what's what's that? Not, uh, not including uh, a Slacker Radio and those Stitcher. kinds of things because that's just automated. Stitcher. We on Stitcher. And the Zoom, Zoom app. The Zoom app, really? <laughs> yeah, I, I guess that, that one guy that wanted it. I, I don't know. Hey, if you listen to us on a Zoom, send us an email. Yeah, please do if you're still out there. Um, but anyway, so uh, we've had some big news come in the uh, judge program recently, but we had something big it. happen last week, too. So we need to talk about the previous week's big thing, and then we'll get to the other big thing. So uh, we got a new IPG for Shadows over in Estrad. Yes. Uh, <laughs> moons, moons over my hammy. Yeah, Eldritch Moons. Nice little Denny's plug there. It was a Denny's plug. Judgecast brought to you by Denny's. I wish. (laughs) Wouldn't that be awesome? That'd be great. Get that. That'd be like the worst sponsor ever. I hey, look, after an event and you're looking for a place to go eat, Denny's is always there for you. Yeah, I've been to Denny's. Sponsored by Denny's because they were the only one that would have (laughs) it. Right. (laughs) That that actually seems kind of fitting, doesn't it? Yeah. Because Denny's, because you've got nowhere else to go. Right. Nobody goes, look at all these options. I guess we're going to Denny's. Uh, hold on. Oh, I go to Denny's in an ice storm in college. We could have died. <laughs> but they tore it down. Oh. Now I have to drive 40 minutes to go to a Denny's. We and have... I've done it. Hey, GP Atlanta, we just got out. We could go to the Vortex or to Denny's. Well, as I just told you, you would have to drive 40 minutes. Oh, well. There is no Denny's around. I wish there was. Oh, well. Well, I mean, I guess that would that settles the tie. I guess we'd have to go to the Vortex then. I guess so. All right. So we got a few new things in the new IPG. Uh, most importantly is the hidden card error has gotten a little bit of a revamp. And to be 100% honest, I don't think we really gave it its full due last time it came out. Because we were kind of... Definitely we just, did not. No, yeah. That I mean, was we were our, all really unhappy with it, weren't we? When we had an... Well, yeah, we weren't thrilled with the thing, but that was also our A episode when we had A and B. Mm-hmm. Basically, the episode we had to push out so that we had real content so that we could get onto our suspension episode. So, uh, we were going to cover... We're going to cover Hidden air, Card Error in detail again. We're going to start over from scratch uh, as if it's a brand new infraction, because in many ways, it is... 
Yeah, this is this is the third episode that we've had where we've talked about Hidden Card Error. I think it's actually only the second one. It's only the second, yeah, because there's only been two revisions of it. No, the first one and this one. No, this is the third. It might have been. It might have been drawing extra. Oh no no no! You're right. Drawing extra cards got the big got the big revision, and then they got yep. the rename. Ah oh, yeah yeah yeah. Okay. Yeah, sorry. so it's only the second episode about this infraction. Good point. So if you haven't heard Ooh. it, it's new to you. <laughs> so let's talk about what a hidden card error is. So hidden card error is an error that a player commits that can't be corrected by only publicly available information. And they make that error without the opponent's permission. So we'll have an example about that in a little bit. So, so what's, what's that, what's that mean uh, when it, when it says uh, uh, only publicly available information? Yeah. You know? So drawing an extra card. Well, I was, right. was going to say most like most penalties in the game is like casting a spell for the wrong mana or uh, uh, dropping dropping a card, you know, uh, while while uh, while shuffling your opponent's deck, that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff is is visible. Like both players can see that. Uh, you can see a miss. Tr- well, I'm doing air quotes. You can see a miss <laughs> trigger. All that information is is out there. I can. Cast a spell for the wrong mana. I can attack with a creature that can't attack. I can make an illegal block. All of those things are things that both players can see. Um, a hidden card error is this: the publicly available information is there's there's a problem, but there's the information been lost. Like there's there's an extra card, and you can't you don't know what the, what it is or how you know that something's wrong. There's an extra uh, there's an extra card. But you can't tell, you can't separate it from other cards. I would like to clarify that there's a difference between information that has been lost and information that was never available. Um, so if we do something wrong and then later the information becomes lost, that may not be hidden card error. Right. So. Okay. All right. So a hidden card error only applies uh, when the card's identity was known by only one player, right? So that kind of falls right mm-hmm. into what Brian was just talking about. Right? Yep. If if a card's identity was known by both players, um, say it's a just a creature on the battlefield, right? It's not a hidden card error. Yeah. Everybody knows everybody knows what it is. Yeah. Um hidden card error also the hidden card has to be in a hidden set of cards before the error happened and end up in a hidden set after the error, right? So this is kind of a little Obtuse, but say you have a um, a morph and it's face down and it gets killed and you don't reveal it in the graveyard and it just sits there in the graveyard face down. Well, that's that's not in a hidden set, right? It's it's in a public available zone, so that's not going to be a hidden card error. Uh, and I think between us, none of us would actually penalize. Right, like mill, mill, and, and I think- milling, for example, is is a great example of this. It's going from your library to your graveyard face down on top of the library, face up on top of your graveyard, voila, that doesn't apply. Right. And, and uh, however, you can have a situation where it goes from one hidden zone to another hidden zone, and it's not hidden card error. So, for example, if you were to draw a card that you weren't supposed to, but you don't have any cards in your hand, this is still correctable by publicly available information because it's only one card. Um, hey, it's the only card it could be. You point to it, hey, I'm supposed to know what that card is. Oh, right. this. <laughs> no, 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 no. Yeah, we, we, don't, we don't do it at that point. Um, and the, the morph example is great because let's say I play a spell that returns that creature to the top of, of your library. 
uh, and you just pick it up and put it on top of your library without revealing it, um, that is that that is still correctable with publicly available information because we know where that card is. So that is not a hidden card error. There's no ambiguity yeah. as to what that what where that card is located. So we can fix the error with the information that's available to all players. Yeah. Right? And we'll go a little deeper into that stuff later also. Um the the we're gonna use the word set a lot here. Because it, it's used a lot in the IPG and actually defined. So a set is just a gr- grouping of cards, right? It could be the hand. Uh, it could be the cards that you're scrying through right now, right? You're told to scry two and you pick up mm-hmm. two cards. That is a set of cards, the two mm-hmm. cards. Um, it's a it can physically e- discrete group. Yeah, and it doesn't even have to be your whole hand. Like, say, right. um, you cast Divination, you start to draw two cards, and those are in your left hand, and your actual hand is in your right hand. You know, So in game terms, that's your hand, but... In this IPG terms, that's two different sets, and we may need to act on each one separately. Uh, although in that case, there was no infraction because that's all legal. So I think it, it, yeah, never mind. I'm I was about to bring up Sylvan Library in an example, and I think if I'm going to do that, I, I almost stop. yeah, I almost <laughs> did, and I was like, nah, we don't, we don't, no. we don't. <laughs> um, all right, so let's go. Let's talk about some examples, uh, and we'll we'll go deeper into each of these a little bit later, um, or at least similar ones, but. You know, you have Domri Raid out, and you plus one, which is to uh, reveal the top part of your library. If it's a creature card, you can put it into your hand. Um, you don't reveal the card. You just you look at it, put it into your hand. Yep. Right? That's a hidden card error. It's That's coming from a hidden zone, went into a hidden zone, and the identity is only known to one player. Right. You're yep. supposed to reveal so the card a... to prove that you could put it in your hand, and you didn't. So. so assuming that there are more cards in your hand than just that one, we have a hidden card error. We don't know what the card you put in or if the if the card meets the criteria to go into your hand another situation is you know a player is told to uh scry one and they scry two right so they're told to scry one they pick up two cards and they're like ah oh, whoops i'm scrying two right now <laughs> hidden card error once again there's two sets of hidden information there and only one card one player knows the information uh here's a new one so just to keep note of it is if a player is on the play, but they draw a card on their first turn, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, that is hidden card error. Um, I mean, that's really no difference in drawing an extra card anywhere else. Yeah. So that so. used that used to be an infraction called uh, improper draw at start of game. That infraction is gone now, and uh, HCE absorbed that part of it. That part of it, and we're going to get into yes. what happened to the rest of it later. Yeah. Uh, and then I had a couple of counterexamples, too, I wanted to bring up. Um, so if a player casts Divination, and I'm going to be talking about Divination a lot, as we discussed, Divination and Domri. Um, so Divination is three mana, and it says, draw two cards, in case you don't know that somehow. Player casts Divination, they're like, draw three. The opponent's like, yep. And then the player draws three cards. This is actually not hidden card error, and it's because of that bit we said earlier, which is that you have to you have to commit the error without the opponent's permission, right? Uh, permission is loose, but yes. Yeah. Um, acknowledgement is fine. If you say I'm going to draw three cards and they go okay, it's good enough. So uh, if it was that situation, how how would you fix it? So I just said it's not hidden card error. Right. So it's not a hidden card error. Uh, because it is not a hidden card error, 
uh, we don't have a more specific infraction, so this would be a game rule violation. Uh, if possible, and I think in this case it is, I'm going to rewind the game by uh, putting cards uh, equal to the excess cards, which in this case is one, uh, a random card back on top of the player's library. I am not going to shuffle. All right. All right. Okay. So yeah, just to be super clear here, so a player drawing three is hidden card error, but a player asking permission to draw three or just saying draw three and the opponent confirms it, not hidden card error. So f- philosophically, again, this gets back to um, publicly available information. Okay. You, the opponent, have an opportunity to catch that. You're being given an opportunity to detect that something is about to go wrong, and you you agree that something is about to go wrong, and then something goes wrong. Well, you you need to take some responsibility, some ownership for that. Part part of the the reason for this also is we don't want to incentivize a player to see that their opponent is about to make a mistake and then wait until they make that mistake to get a a more advantageous fix. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we are we're going to mitigate that by not providing the same penalty and fix as we would if they hadn't confirmed the draw. Like draw yeah. draw, th- draw three, and the opponent's like, "Oh yeah, draw that third card." Then that's a problem. <laughs> uh, one more counter example is uh, a player is drawing for the turn, and they have two cards stuck together, right? So they have they pick up two cards. Uh, looking at extra cards still exists. It still applies to dexterity errors, and this is a dexterity error, so this is not hidden card error. So let me, let me talk. You, you you mentioned one example about a player scries two when he should have only scried one. Um, yeah. So this is this is there is still a little fuzzy area um, between like when picking up two cards ceases to become looking at an extra card and begins becoming HCE, like when when does the scrying of the two stop being looking at the two and become actually scrying? And there's gonna be mm-hmm. a judgment there's gonna be a judgment call there. You know, uh, no one's gonna like be pulling out a ruler and measuring how far it it came from the library or anything like that. But you're gonna need to just listen to both players, get a get an understanding of what happened and then make a decision based on that. But there is there is going to be a, you know, we can't say, well, three millimeters from the, you know, after it's pulled off of the top of the deck, if they'll be doing a scry. That's not going to happen. So. Cool. All right, so I figured we're going to do this a little backwards, and we'll talk about the fix right now, and then we'll talk about the philosophy a little bit more, because um, the philosophy kind of has a few exceptions to these fixes as well. Sounds good. All right, so... Uh, so fixing it is actually, I think, relatively straightforward. Yeah, I actually like um, it a lot more. I, 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 I can't think of a situation that I don't really know how to fix now. Right. Previously, Whereas, hidden card error was a little, uh, a little up in the air, kind of vague, and there were situations where you go, well, what about this, and didn't have an answer. And now we've yes. got a little bit more of a flowchart. It's not really a flowchart, but it, it feels that way, where you go, okay, well, which of these categories does it fall in? Okay, that's what we do. It's, it's almost like it's almost like mistrigger in the sense that you have this list of triggers, and if it's A or B, you know, if it's A this, then B. If if not A, then is it B? And if it's not B, is it C? If not C, is it D? So it's kind of the same way. Yeah. So, yeah, just to pull back the curtain a little bit on our previous HC episode, we actually cut out portions because we couldn't agree on how to fix pretty common situations. So we just kind of <laughs> cut them out and, and hit our our disagreement. <laughs> uh, so, after 
Yeah, and after which Brian and I actually spent a long, a lot of time uh, on multiple occasions talking about this infraction and how it how it yeah. played out. And um, and I think that's go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. So it was it was in a it was in a hotel uh, after either a conference or an event or something. It might have been at the Pro Tour. No, this was. Uh, the, I remember exactly what you're talking about. This was the uh, most recent uh, SCG Atlanta Open. Oh right, right, uh, right. And we were we were it, the new policy had just come out, and so I was running. Uh, I was head judging an Open the week that it had just come out. So we were just mm-hmm. sitting there, just like pecking at this policy, trying to figure out all these corners because I was going to be the guy that took appeals on this stuff the next day. Right, right. Uh, and uh, so we we spent probably two or three hours just like, well, hey, what about this and this and this and arguing about <laughs> all these different things. We spent 45 minutes arguing about rummaging goblin. Yes, we did, <laughs> at least. Which has a very clean fix now when we get to it. Um, yes. And, and uh, you, so, guys, you guys were involved in, in some of these RPG changes, weren't you? Am I crazy? I, in discussions well, around it? No, you're not crazy. So, so after the uh, well, uh, after that situation, this doesn't disprove that he's not crazy. <laughs> Just be specific here. Uh, so, you're not wrong. Uh, <laughs> after that, uh, we had a lot of discussions about it, and then at the next pro tour, which was also in Atlanta, um, we talked, uh, spent some time talking to Toby Elliott and Jeff Morrow and some other people about it, and we ended up forming kind of a little. Uh, email. It felt to me like it was a little email task force uh, that just kind of like just nailed on corner cases and went, well, what about this and this and this and how do we word this to make it right? And uh, came up with what we've got now, which I think is a lot better. So let's. Yeah. I don't want to get All too right. much into that as much as let's yeah. just get into talking about Actually things. talk about it. Okay. Yeah. So there's kind of a little caveat at the start. Um, and it's basically saying that if the infraction was immediately followed by moving a card from the from the hidden set to a known location. We can do a simple rewind to put that card back into the hidden set. So uh, an example is a player cast Divination. They draw three cards, and then they play a land. Say they drew a land. doesn't matter if they drew it or not, but uh, then they play a land. Uh, and then they're like, oh, wait, I wasn't supposed to draw three cards. I was supposed to draw two cards. Right. Um, we, we can do a, a quick rewind before we go on with the rest of the fixes to put that land back into the hand and make it part of that hidden set again. Mm-hmm. This also works well with situations like, say, Tooth and Nail. Um, if I somehow put three cards into my hand <laughs> with Tooth and Nail and then right. put something onto the battlefield, we can stop and rewind that. Yeah, I could see it happening, right? You have three choices and you kind of forget yep. <laughs> what you're doing. And Anyway. But I think that's a good example of where this could come in, where you just... because. A lot of times people don't put them in their hand. They just go right to the battlefield, right? They just shortcut right. that. Right, and so we're right. just like, well, hold on, back up a step, which I think is very intuitive. Yeah. And we just keep moving from there. And, and the, so, so simple simple rewinds are pretty much just a single – you are undoing a single action. Yep. I mean, when, when we say simple, it's not like, okay, uh, untap your guys from combat and put this spell back into your hand and let's change life. To, it's none of that. It's like a simple yeah, rewind. Yeah. It's like one thing. Right. Yeah, the next involved, thing that happened, basically. Yep. And it had to have involved no random elements, right? So right. I don't know if there's a card that's like draw a card and then shuffle a card from your hand into your library, but something like that, right? Something like like crack, cracking a fetch, right? Yeah. Isn't isn't yeah? Uh, that would be awkward. <laughs> so, somebody tell me about this uh, next one. Uh, 
Okay, so if a if a set if a set again we're talking about the sets, um, if the set of cards that had the problem doesn't exist anymore, uh, there's no fix. You still give the fraction, you still give the warning. Okay, so if for example someone was supposed to scry one and instead they scryed two, and now we're past that point, those two scars those those two scars those two cards uh, that set is gone. Uh, if I dig through time for, you know, and I go get eight cards, and I pick the two, put them in, and put the other on on, on the bottom, that set's gone uh, mm-hmm. after a while. Yeah, that's a good example. Um, yeah, so th- that set doesn't exist anymore. We can't can't fix that problem. Um, I think that even in the, the dig through time example, it's not even after a while. Like once once the cards have been put at the bottom and the others have been mixed in the hand, that set is gone because yeah yeah the 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 we we that we can't determine what that set is anymore. Um, so this is not going to come up that often, but it's good to have that guideline of well, hey, this doesn't exist anymore. What do I do? This is what you do. Uh, yeah, absolutely. So. Uh, if the error puts cards into a set prematurely uh, and we're supposed to do something else on that set first, uh, we reveal the set of cards and the opponent chooses the number of excess cards and sets those aside until we've reached the point where they should have been legally added. So, for example. Yeah, uh, so this one <laughs> was this, I think, is the hardest one to parse. This is lawyer, lawyer speak right here. Yeah, yeah. But I think I think the example actually the makes it very clear. The set of the first part needs to be removed until the set of the second part is resolved, and then the part set of the first part can, no. Right, yeah, this is just like, this is like a living end fix kind of thing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, so basically, let's say uh, I have a rummaging goblin, and rummaging goblin has an ability uh, that... It has a cost of tapping it and discarding a card, and the effect is to draw a card. So let's say I tap it, and I don't discard a card. I just draw a card uh, before I've discarded. Um, and so uh, basically what's going to happen is uh, the player will reveal their hand. So, so we, we haven't uh, discarded any cards yet. We stop them and go, you drew a card, but you haven't discarded, and you're supposed to discard first. They reveal their hand to their opponent. The opponent looks at those cards, uh, picks one of those cards, and then we say, okay, this is the one that we have decided. This is the one that we're going to act like you drew. The discard has to be from the other cards in this set. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you discard a card, and then that card goes back in your hand. So normally when you do these these fixes that we're going to talk about, because they're going to lose the card, you're going they're going to shuffle it away. You want to normally pick like the best card. In this particular case, you probably want to pick the worst one, so they can't discard that one. Yeah, you want to pick that basic land. Well, not necessarily. You might intentionally pick a card that has, uh, say, for example, madness or flashback or interacts with the graveyard in any way. Sure, yeah, you that's want, true. You want to, okay, that's that's fair. Um, but <laughs> what I wanted to get into was there there is yes there is going to be strategic picking. Uh, this is one of the the situations that allows strategic picking of a card. No, you mm-hmm. may not take a disproportionate amount of time to do your picking. Yep, and it's worth mentioning that you can only pick previously unknown cards, and that's going to be a theme in the next three things we talk about, and we're going to talk about previously unknown a little bit uh, a little bit later. Right. Um, do you want me to get the next one, too, or who's doing yeah. that? Yeah. Oh, man. You can awesome. <laughs> so if the set of cards uh, – I'm sorry. If the set has more cards than it's supposed to, uh, reveal the set, and the opponent chooses enough cards – 
to put the amount back to what it should be. Uh, we take those cards, or we return those cards to the correct zone, and if that zone is the library, we shuffle them into the random portion of the library. So, for example, a player uh, begins the game, they're on the play, and they draw a card to start their turn. They have eight cards in hand, they're only supposed to have seven, so it falls into this category. The set has more cards than it's supposed to. So we reveal the whole hand, the opponent chooses one card, and we shuffle that back into the library, because the entire library at this point is random. This actually is the most similar to what it was before. This fix is pretty straightforward. I think everybody understands how this works. Yeah, I think I'll call it the Thoughtseize fix. Uh, I think technically any, perish the thought, but any sure. issues there? <laughs> I'm scared. Thoughtseize seems fine. Uh, you could take you could take land for what it's worth because you could take any card from their hand, <laughs> uh, and you don't lose two life. Yeah. And, yeah. and this 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 one right here, I think it specifically uh, came about because because dig through time. You know, people a, a set doesn't have to be you know as we said it doesn't have to be going just as straight to the hand. It could be I'm going to I pick up eight cards for for dig through time. Well, I have a set of cards now that's supposed to only have seven, and it's got eight. So I'm gonna show. Yep. I'm gonna show it, and they're gonna they're gonna pick one, and then that one goes away. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I have a counter example. Oh. Yeah. So say a player has a bear cub and he gets doombladed. Uh, this player puts it in her hand instead of the graveyard. This is kind of a classic example. Um, once again, this is not gonna be hidden card error because the card was known to both players before it entered the hand. So you're just gonna handle it as a GRV, which is probably hey, put it in the graveyard. Right, to move it to the, the zone it was supposed to go to. Yep. Yeah, which is another change that we're going to be talking about later. Mm, nope. mm, yeah. No. Yeah, it's partial. It's uh, partial now. It was in the last IPG as yeah. well. Yeah. No. Was yeah, it, it in was. the last one? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yep. You're, getting your, you're getting your IPG updates mixed up. Yeah, it was absolutely in there. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> he um, went and checked. I love it. Okay, yeah, so I'll, I'll, wow. Uh, it's because I, I can't. Jeez. I'll take the uh, the Domri case. So, if the uh, if the set of cards, uh, if the set has cards that were supposed to be revealed, you're going to reveal the set of cards that contains the unrevealed cards. So, the hand most of the time, um, and the opponent the opponent chooses one of the previously unknown cards. You're going to treat the chosen card as the unrevealed one. And then if that means uh, that that card is in the set illegally, you're going to treat it like an excess card. So you're going to put it back where it needs to be, right? So it either goes um, generally to the library, but it could go somewhere else as well. So the classic example is Domri. I talked about Domri a little bit earlier. <clears throat> um, but this wording is a little bit different than how it used to be. So the player is going to reveal their hand and let's say their hand is all creatures, right? So they plus one Domri and they put the card straight in hand and then they reveal their hand and it's all creatures. Well, then we know for a fact they made, they actually made a legal play, even though, you know, they, they didn't do it legally, but they, it was legal for that card to go to hand. They just needed to reveal it. Um, if they reveal all creatures, then we know what they did was good and we don't need to shuffle anything in. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're also- still going to give the warning. What's that, Jess? Uh, so we also don't want to make them get rid of something they could have legally chosen. Yeah. So uh, along the same lines, say they reveal their hand and they have three creatures and a lightning bolt. Um, the opponent gets to pick a card, but 
if they pick a card that would have been legal to go to the hand in the first place, we actually just leave it alone, right? Mm-hmm. So if they pick the bear cub in the hand, we're good. But if they pick the non-creature card, so the lightning bolt, we're actually going to shuffle that away. So it behooves the opponent to actually pick the uh, the non-creature card. I say we're good as if the guy got no punishment, but he did reveal his hand, too. It's not like, right, so and, the point is... And the, he gets a warning. You, you fixed the problem, right? He was supposed to have revealed something, and you fixed that by revealing it. Now, uh, here's the thing, is, is I would not explain this to the player the way the IPG is written, right? So if a player is like... What, what do we do? And I'm like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to have him reveal his hand. Uh, and then you get to pick a card. And if the card that you picked isn't a creature, we're going to shuffle it into his library. Yeah. Uh, that's all you had to say. You don't have to go into this whole thing about, uh, so we're going to reveal the set of uh, unrevealed yes. cards and and yeah. have you choose on. Uh, uh, I, I think one of the, you, know, you don't have to go into all that with the players. Just yeah, tell them. Think- I think you're making a great point about this whole infraction is is the wording is a little technical and it I think is. it's up to you to translate that for the players. You do not need yeah. to start quoting the IPG at them. That's just going to confuse hey, them. Right. Translating that is actually part of IPG. Our, it's actually part of our job to translate that. Yeah. To the player. Yeah. Uh, it's it's one of the things that's expected uh, uh, for someone to start learning uh, as a level two judge. And I think that that's one of the things that, that, that we need to head, do as level three judges is is be able to comfortably explain all of that. And I hope that level two judges can do it more or less themselves as well. Mm-hmm. So for some reason, so Toby just keeps talking about dark confidant as if this actually happens, but uh, it's, it's, it's a question that comes up. A lot of people are very concerned about what happens with dark confidant. Okay. Like it, it's, it just seems to be a card that people gravitate to, yeah. so it kind of helps to just answer questions based on so, it. So let's let's be fair, clear here. First off, uh, a player untaps their cards, they draw a card for their turn, and then they play a land. They have missed their Dark Confidant trigger. Yes. That's I mean, that's it. Yep. Uh, that's a missed trigger, you know, handle it through all the normal means. Um, however, a player untaps their cards. They're in their upkeep, they say. Dark Confidant. Draw a card and put it straight into their hand without revealing. Okay, now they've resolved the Dark Confidant trigger incorrectly. So how do we handle that? Yeah. Well, so go ahead. Uh, in in this in this particular case, what we're going to do is we're gonna we're going to reveal the hand. Okay, uh, we're also going to have the opponent. The opponent is going to choose a card, just like they did before. Now in this particular case. Um, a card did go to the hand. A card was supposed to go to the hand. Mm-hmm. There, there is no verifying that they put the correct card into their or the, mm-hmm. card, the correct mm-hmm. type. In there's the not going to be an excess card, right? There's not. There's not an excess card. That's, thank you. Um, in this particular case, though, what we're going to do is we still need to perform an action essentially based on that card, though. Uh, in this particular case, in the dark confidant case, it's the loss of life. So the opponent is going to get to pick the card and then we're going to do the action that is supposed to be done based on that card's information which is the loss of life hope you don't have an emrakul in your hand because you're going to be losing a lot of life <laughs> i hope you're not playing that in um, your dark confidant, dark confidant deck <laughs> sure 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 hey this is come on dude so what are you going to do in that situation where the player draws a card for turn, doesn't say anything, and the opponent's like, uh, I think he just misresolved Double Confidant, and I would like to see uh, his hand now. 
uh, you do a brief investigation, which will yeah. the vast majority of the time result in realizing that the player missed their trigger, at which point you treat it like a missed trigger and ask them if they'd like to put it on the stack. And then if they say, yes, I'd like to put it on the stack, and the other guy still fails to reveal, you can go into HCE. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sure. It's a bad day for that guy. <laughs> All right. And then the morph, the playing a non-morph uh, face down this is still exists. The the upgrade with the subset downgrade? Yeah. The upgrade with... Okay, so the, the morph upgrade. So if if you if you play a face down card, uh, if if you sorry, if a face down card cast, uh, if a face down card is cast with the morph ability and then later is discovered to not actually have the morph ability, yeah. the penalty is upgraded to a game loss. Okay, all, all However, set. However, no. yeah, this is oh, easy, easy, <laughs> easy done. Okay, so here's. <laughs> However, here's the exception. If the player calls it on themselves, okay, and they currently have a morph creature in their hand, or one or more morph creatures in their hand when they call you, and they have not added any cards to their hand since casting that card face down, uh, then what you do is you don't upgrade it and you just swapsies the morph card in their hand any of them with the uh with the card at the bottom this was apparently um a big deal in cons uh cons block because uh, morph <laughs> obviously but there was like a green there was a green common with morph and a green common without morph that the art kind of looked a lot alike yeah. and people were constantly cast casting the non-morph one uh as a morph yeah, you actually have that example in the AIPG, and it's it's a really good example because I looked at the two cards and I was like, "Whoa, you, you are you are right." right. Yeah, I, re- I remember that. I had to look. They up have the same mana cost too, and they're each X ones, so yes. it's it's yeah. Um, so I think this one. So first off, this hasn't changed, right? This is actually the same, but I think it kind of all makes sense when you think about it, right? Like, oh, they have to have one or more morph creatures in their hand. Um, by the way, we're not. Uh, we're not asking them to reveal their hand here, right? We're just we're just gonna look at their hand. Yeah. Just judge judge yeah, yeah. look and and see. So and it it's it's fair enough because they haven't had an opportunity to get a new card. Right. So the 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 only particular case is the people are like, oh well, what if they have multiple morphs? Then they get to decide based on what the opponent is. Yeah, dude, we're really narrow. Yeah. And it's the the margin of advantage on this is so razor thin. So I've got to I've got to cast a creature. I don't know which morph to cast. So I'm going to cast a non-morph face down. Okay, then wait <laughs> to see what my opponent does, and then I'm going to call a judge on myself just so I could get the opportunity to play morph, you know, morph B instead of morph A. Right, because you only get what? your opponent's turn, right? Because by the time you draw a card, then it's too late. So like, that's that's so narrow. All right, let's talk about philosophy a little bit. Yeah. It's Deathmiss Raptor. We know. Yeah. That's what it I know, is. Right? It's that or Den Protector. We know what it is. Uh, uh, so, so I do want to point out the last thing about that is it doesn't need to be – this is one of the few things where they don't need to call immediately, right? So they need to call on themselves, and the time frame is before another card is added to their hand. Yeah, and calling on themselves there is basically saying, um, oh, it died in combat. Oh, this wasn't what I thought it was. Well – Oh no! Yeah. 
that no. Yeah, that's not calling it on yourself. Yeah. That's, uh, oh, you yeah. your opponent saw it. <laughs> yeah. No, that's. Yeah, that's how you that's how you found out the card was wrong. Right. So do a little yeah. investigation. Just the player who called a judge does not necessarily mean that they caught it themselves. Right. Yep. Yep. So philosophy a little bit. I think I think we've covered the first bit of philosophy is that basically we're trying to offset the advantage gained by putting that extra card into the hidden set, right? So revealing the set and potentially removing a card, or or you know, say a card was failed to reveal, revealing the set, it, it offsets that advantage, right? So it, it levels the playing field a little bit more. Uh, so that's the idea. Um, Jess was touching on this, but if the cards are put into a public zone or a, or in a uniquely identifiable position. So top of the library, only card in hand, then it isn't hidden card error. And, and I, I guess we should mention that that six card in your hand is not uniquely identifiable. You know, when it, there's a, there's a specific line in there that says like, if it's, if it's in a group, you know, uh, like in your hand or something like that, then you can't really take order into account. Right. Um, None of what we said applies in a situation where a publicly correctable error led into the uncorrectable uh, situation. So classic example is casting divination for two and a white or brainstorm for a green. Right, That GRV directly led into somebody drawing uh, cards they weren't technically supposed to. But So in those cases, it's a GRV. So I want to do the next one because I'm happy about yes, this please. one. Are you? Interesting. Okay, so... When, when determining which set uh, of cards the opponent uh, the opponent can choose from, you're allowed to take into account uh, what the opponent has seen uh, revealed from the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, so basically, if you actually thought see somebody yep. and this the they write down you know you know six cards from the hand and then two turns later we know that four of them are still in the hand and then somehow we 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 draw an extra card or something along those lines and we reveal the hand well those four cards are uh uh are excluded from the set because they've been previously known and one of the things is it's been it's been constantly so hard to to justify when when talking to to judges who who ask things like well what if there's a telepathy in play and the whole hands are constantly revealed and everybody knows everything and we were saying before it's like no it's going to be you know it's going to be a game loss because we can't fix it well you, of course you can fix it there's a telepathy you know everything that's going yeah. on and we we're like well we're not we're not involving the opponent in the fix and what the information the opponent knows well now we've decided that Sure, we can include that information. So, yes, cards that you've seen previously uh, uh, can exclude things from the set. Now, what that what that means is, judges, uh, if you walk over to the table and the player is suddenly scribbling out cards on their notepad <laughs> and claiming, "Oh, I don't, I don't know what cards he had. I thought seized him last turn. I don't know what he's got in his hand, and he's got a bunch of stuff scribbled down." Uh, that's that's a different infraction. Yeah, yeah. If he's if he's uh, claiming that he doesn't remember uh, things or, or scratching out things that he had written down a turn prior in the hopes of trying to destroy information. Yeah. So to to look at some of the fixes with this lens on, um, so the Domri one, right? Player has Bear Cub and Lightning in hand, and the opponent knows this because they got thought seized earlier. They plus one Domri, uh, we reveal their hand, and we see Bear Cub, Domri, 
grizzly bear. Um, the opponent bears and bolts. Bears and bolts. Yes. The opponent can only choose the grizzly bear because we already knew the bear cub and lightning bolt should have been there. So they only cho- they can only and choose they- the grizzly bear, and then we don't do anything with the hand. Yep. You know. Or they reveal two pieces of it. Nice and in, it's it's in, it's intuitive in the sense of with all the information that we've got, we can just reveal the hand, and now all information is regained, and we can continue mm-hmm. on with the warning, warning, still warning. Uh, so you are you are if you commit HCE, you are getting a warning. Yes. Uh, unless it's dealing with a morph, but not drawn card with the downgrade to the upgrade. Yeah. Uh, just because you aren't shuffling away a card or getting rid of a card, you are always giving the warning. Right. And then, uh, uh, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was just going to hit on the last thing in the philosophy yeah, section. please do. Uh, which actually has caused some confusion that I want to touch on. Okay. Um, the last thing is to always apply the fix to the smallest set possible. Now, um, I've, I've seen some confusion here, so I'm going to give you an example uh, that, that clarifies the situation. Uh, so if a player... Uh, casts Dig Through Time. Here we go using what only vintage legal cards now. Um, player casts Dig Through Time, uh, and they pick up the top uh, eight cards instead of the top seven. Well, that set of eight cards is the set that we're going to look at, right? Um, but let's say, for example, instead, uh, they, uh, they look at the top five one at a time, set those five down, and then pick up the next three. We have two distinct sets of cards. Even though Dig Through Time alone wants us to look at seven, we have a total of eight. The the three that they've just looked at is the smallest set. Um, now, here's where it gets confusing. What if he did it the other way around? He looks at the top three and sets those down, and then he picks up five. So I've heard some people th- that think that you still want to look at the first three because that's the smallest set. It's actually not. The extra oh. card happened in, in the set where the last card hit so the smallest set is those five what that means by smallest set is that in this case because they were distinct we're not going to apply it to the whole set of eight cards yeah we're going to apply it to the smallest set that contains the extra information or card that's a great example i hadn't thought about that so there there was also a, a situation i think this this happened at the 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 pro tour which kind of informed this a little bit uh a player uh had five or six cards in his hand put it down on the table, uh, cracked a fetch, whatever. He was shuffling, and he actually dropped his deck on top of his hand um, in such a way. And they and they kind of use this as like, okay, well, they've all, they've all kind of commingled uh, now, but yet at the same time, you're able to, you're able to look at that big pile of cards and say like, well, obviously this big giant portion of the pile was clearly not part because they couldn't remember whether or not he had five cards or four cards or something like that. So they were like, this is clearly not part of it. And they got it down to, to a, a, a set of, of cards where they could say, okay, so this clearly contains his hand plus maybe some extra uh, some extra cards now we're going to do the we're going to apply the HCE fix to that so that was an incident that happened uh, at, at the pro tour that helped kind of i just i know this was an example that 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 you brought up in the in the email chain but but it also the the philosophy behind this kind of also got applied there as well yeah I know it's it absolutely applies. Uh, there are lots of examples where this can apply. Uh, for example, somebody's playing a, a battle of wits deck, so they start to shuffle something in, 
uh, and they end up shuffling their hand in, but only in the top 30 cards. We're not going to apply yeah. this to the entire deck of 230 cards or whatever, just just that section that was shuffled in, and, and that makes sense. So the policy, I don't think explicitly says this, but and you, so you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but you, you still always have the option of just conceding instead of revealing if you just really wanted to. Now, you still have to get the judge involved, right? You're going to get the warning, but... I don't. I don't uh, think anyone's going to force you to reveal your hand, are we? Uh, no, you are not going to be forced to reveal your hand. Yeah. And uh, I, I, you're right. It doesn't say that. I thought it still did. I must have been mistaken. But yes, that is something you can still do. No, I mean it's kind of one of these rules in the in the comp rules that says you can concede at any time. Well, yeah, but it sounds you know. Then you get into that argument. Well, I'm milling two, and I look at the top two, and then I decide I don't want to yeah. kill those. You know, but yeah, I, it's a reasonable is, question because judges. There will be judges yeah. who are like, no, you can't concede. You have to reveal. You can concede. Yeah. You can concede. Uh, I will. I will say that I 100% agree with you, Mr. Dunks. And I know. I know there are judges who disagree. But since we have a podcast and they don't, yep. uh, we're right. That's uh, that's not exactly how that works. Um, it, it is. It's the wedding singer. I have a microphone and you don't. <laughs> I saw that movie for the first time recently. Yeah, it was all right. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. So next one. Yeah, so that's a big one, huh? But that's it. Yeah. I feel, uh, I yeah. Know. That's Hidden Carter. That's basically all there is to it. Um, I feel a lot better. It's, it's a lot more straight. It's a lot more uh, explicit now. It is longer than it was before. Yeah, uh, the, we have two pages of notes. But I feel like well, if you go to look at the policy, you can figure out most situations uh, without having to do a lot of guesswork or try to look at other resources to figure it out. Yeah, in the end, it's a lot of it's a awful lot of words. But conceptually, it's it's do they have an extra? You know, if they have an extra card. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing it, but if they have an extra card, then reveal the hand, pick a card from it, and it goes away. If they put a card in their hand that they were supposed to put in their hand, and you reveal the card and everything matches, they get to keep. Uh, and if there's if there's a card that doesn't match, then that goes away. And that's – again, I'm oversimplifying it, but that's kind of it. Yep. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> so who wants to lead us into our new infraction, Mulligan I Procedure Error? I would love to do that. Oh, I'd love it if you did. Oh. Uh, <laughs> all right. So uh, we had this thing two IPGs ago uh, called uh, improper draw at start of game. And that went away. It got lumped in with hidden card error in the last IPG. And now it's been broken back out a little bit. It's slightly different. Uh, it's something called mulligan procedure error. So what is mulligan procedure error? It's... Um, it's an error. So, so a player makes an error during the mulligan procedure. Oh. Um, yeah, it's, it's right. Um, so <laughs> uh, the mulligan procedure is the act of taking mulligans and the scry at the end. Uh, so stuff that happens before that is not part of the mulligan. Stuff that happens after that is not part of the mulligan. Uh, so it's things that happen during the time frame. Yeah, and we've already uh, said it, but namely drawing a card if you're on the play is not part of this. Right. Yeah, it's the, not part of this. For the older judges. Uh, yes. Yeah, so this was this used to be an HCE, and it was just HCE was doing too much and trying to include this kind of stuff in it. It just made it too unwieldy. So came back out and got, and I think 
they actually knew because in the last IPG, if you notice, there was a 2.3 and it went to 2.5. They actually saved a space for 2.4 so that it could slide right back oh. in. Uh, <laughs> that, yeah. that, might be, that might be why they did. Uh, they've done that in the past, though, but uh, it's possible. Now, now, one thing I want to point out is that uh, this doesn't necessarily just apply to extra cards. There are also other things you can do. Uh, for example, um, if I if I'm on the play and I say I'm going to keep, and my opponent says, "Well, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna mulligan," and I go, "Well, if you're going to mulligan, I'm going to mulligan." That's a mulligan procedure error. Um, if we catch it soon enough, it may not involve problems with cards, but it's still the infraction. Okay, makes sense. Uh, so how do we fix it? Who wants to tackle right. that? So I got it. So this is this is so if a player has too many cards in hand, so I mulliganed to seven and said I was supposed to go to six, and I instead I went to seven. Um, you get to choose uh, whether or not you reveal your hand and have the opponent pick uh, a number equal to the the excess card. You, you the so player, like the we- not you the judge. Yeah, you the you the player. Receiving. So you're you have the you're going to present your you get to choose which of the two following options yep. that are being presented. Um, so what what that means is the number equal to the excess cards. If for some reason you were supposed to mulligan to three and instead you mulliganed to seven, mm-hmm. uh, well, now you have four excess cards. Okay, just to make it an extreme case to illustrate the point. Um, you're going, you have four excess cards. You're going to reveal the hand to the opponent. The opponent's going to pick those extra cards and they're going to get shuffled away. Yeah, so in that, so in that or, situation, you said they, they mulligan to six? Yeah, so, so if the, you mulligan to six, or rather I mulligan to seven, I'm supposed to go to six, I would reveal my hand. The opponent would pick presumably the card that's most advantageous for them and they would shuffle yeah. away. And now I have the number of cards that I'm supposed yeah, to Yeah, and what I'm hitting home here that's is, option is it's one, one card. It's not one one extra, because I think sometimes older judges like to pull forward old infractions, but that it's not necessary here because you're revealing the hand and letting the opponent right. pick. Well, well, the the one extra is where it, what option two is. So I, I'm going to have two options. It's either I present, uh, I show my hand, and the opponent gets to get me down, pick cards till I get down to the correct number, or if I don't want to show my hand, my super secret tech, or maybe my hand just isn't all that great and or I'm only relying on the one card you can choose to take a mulligan so I was supposed to be at six uh, I have seven cards I'm supposed to be at six I can choose to mulligan down to five so I decide which option that's going to be and uh, it, the decision is made at the at the appropriate place in the mulligan procedure um, and then uh, it happens and we go on. You can continue mulliganing from that point. Mulliganing from that point. So uh, I forgot my question. So the other thing I wanted to say then was uh, I did want to hammer home that it, laying out a bunch of cards is not drawing a bunch of cards, right? If you lay out eight cards, you're like, oh, whoops, it's supposed to be seven. And you haven't looked at them yet, you can just put one back. That's no big deal. That hasn't changed. <clears throat> and, uh, Oh, so what if, what if somebody is mulligating to six and they draw five cards? Uh, oh, no. <laughs> if they're mulligating to six and they draw five cards, um, if it's caught right away, there isn't even an infraction here. But yeah. let's say that they that, that it happens uh, that they are mulligating to six and they draw five cards instead. 
you just have them drop the correct number. Yeah. I don't think I'm going to infract in that situation. Would you? Right. Okay. And, nope. if it's, and if it's caught, if it's caught after the game has already started, if it's caught after the game has already started, uh, then GRB. It, yes. With the with the with one of the one of the uh, default fixes yep. of draw card. All right, and then I think something people talked about a lot is uh, the forbidden look. I believe it's called, where you. Uh, Yes, something some people used to have as a habit is they know they're about to mulligan, and so they just kind of look at the next few cards, or mm-hmm. even just the next card, and to look at to see if it's a quote unquote correct mulligan. Um, so we have some language in the IPG now because we have the scry now to to handle this specifically. So if a player looks at the top card of their library and they are not absolutely clear that they are mulliganing, you know, if they go, all right, I'm going to ship this, and then look at the top card. Sure. But if they're not absolutely clear they're mulliganing, then we assume they are keeping that hand. So I, I think the general So so no more no more no more Pixies. You you've decide you've silently decided that you're gonna mulligan it and you check the top card to make sure that you made the right call. Uh you you're you're keeping. Right. So if you if you begin mulliganing after that Oh, you just that's mulligan procedure. And that hasn't changed right. at all. That's that's the same as it's been since the scry quote the quote unquote squat, scry mulligan uh became Absolutely. a real thing. Yeah. Um right. but I, I don't remember if it was actually formalized, like actually in the text. There was a lot of words for H C E, so maybe it was. Um yeah, it's definitely there. I don't think I don't think it was I think it was deduced, but it wasn't explicitly yeah, spelled. Right now it is. Yep. Alright, so now there's just a few other uh, random things that got changed. Um, I feel like we talk about this first Miss Trigger one every time a new IPG comes out, and I'm not even clear how it's changed over the last three iterations. Like, all right, so this is this is actually what what this simply is is so two IPGs ago or one IPG ago we made an announcement. We were slightly we were slightly wrong. So the next episode we made a correction. Okay, what this is, uh, what this change was, is explicitly uh, the correction that we had to make. It's putting that explicitly in the IPG as well. Okay. Is 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 really all it is. Let me get back to. Um, where to go? Uh, so when you are. Uh, so, okay, so there's there's two changes there's two changes to to miss trigger. So one of them is when you're going through a triggered ability that causes a causes a change in the visible game state, including life total changes, or requires a choice upon resolution. Uh, the the changes uh, so the controller must take the appropriate physical action, such as putting counters like whenever a creature attacks, put a plus one plus one counter on it. Um, it you must take the appropriate physical action. Or acknowledge the specific trigger. So you need to be like, you know, trigger for that guy specifically. You can't just say trigger. Okay, you need to point to the card and say trigger or plus one plus one counters or something. So you actually have to explicitly say what the trigger is, not just. Yeah, and that may, uh, to be honest, that may not even be specific enough if the card has multiple triggers. Right. So. That's 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 what the 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 change was. Um, now the the next change is it's talking about uh, May triggers, uh, specifically our our buddy Eldrazi Eldrazi mimic. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> so 
the the question was if I point to the Eldrazi mimic um, and and say trigger and point to it point to it and say you know trigger and then you dismember the the creature that would have caused the Eldrazi mimic's power and toughness to change. What what happened? And then you don't say anything after that. What happens? So now the line is um, a player demonstrating awareness of an optional trigger with no visible effect is assumed to have made the affirmative choice unless the opponent responds. So basically, if you if there's a may trigger and you point out that may trigger, then when that may trigger resolves, you're assumed that you're going to be doing that thing. Whatever it is, the thing that you had the choice where you may or may not be doing it, you're, you're may doing it. You're doing it. Unless the opponent responds. Now, if the opponent responds, then just like we've got a lot of tournament shortcuts that do that, uh, you're not held to that decision anymore. And that's, that's what, uh, that's the change to miss trigger. Okay. Can you give me any examples of that first one on the spot? Yeah, I'm not. I mean, I understand how it works, but I don't know why it's different than it was before. Yeah. Uh, so before before it said, um, I even looked at the AIPG, and I still. Yeah. Um, so you had to. Let's see here. Before it was. The wording was the controller must take the appropriate physical action or make it clear what the action to be taken or choice made is before. So before, I think it was a little too strict. Like you actually had to point, like if you had a creature that said uh, uh, attack, uh, whenever this creature attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on all your attacking creatures. Um, You had to actually point at it with the wording and say something along the lines of, you know, the plus the plus one this this creature's plus one plus one counter trigger. It had to be that explicit and they determined they decided that that was a little too uh uh too restrictive, but they didn't want you to just like turn all your guys sideways and say trigger at the same time. So they kind of loosened up the wording a little bit to kind of get there in the halfway spot that you have to you have to acknowledge the specific trigger like you have to say like that trigger right there but you don't have to say this this trigger gets me plus one plus one counters on all my dudes. So it's it's been real fiddly. It's gone back and forth just trying to figure out like because of the way players play. Yay. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about GRV then. So, uh, so that one of the uh, partial fixes is, is that if a player makes fails to make a choice or makes an illegal one, um, we have them make that choice right now. <clears throat> so we don't need to rewind. We don't care how long it's been. We just have them make that choice. Uh, Voice of All comes up a lot because I think when Voice of All enters the battlefield, you choose a color, and then Voice of All has protection from that color. Um, the change here is that now we can do a simple rewind if needed. So a player casts Doomblade, they're targeting Voice of All, uh, and the opponent's like, wait, that Voice of All never got a color picked for it. Um, We can do a quick rewind to bring that Doomblade back into hand before the color is actually chosen. It's small. That's really it. All right. Hey, you know, um, as I I understand things, uh, we've got... uh, uh, a change to deck deck list problem also. Mm-hmm. That, that is true. <laughs> yeah. 
and it's surprisingly not uh, centered around double face cards. No. <clears throat> oh, but there is a change to double face cards that we, is, that we need to change, discuss. Though. There is. Yes, we do. I'm glad yeah, you that said was that. pretty straightforward. Um, so we'll, we'll we'll hit that in a minute. But yep. let's talk about the the deck deckless problem first. Um, so the change to deck deckless problem is that uh, cards that are obviously not part of the deck, for example, tokens or cards in different sleeves, aren't considered part of the deck when you're determining if the deck is legal. Uh, you know, some, so, some rules nerd out there just went, uh, tokens aren't cards already. I know. Yes. <laughs> but the cards in different sleeves are cards. Yeah, yeah well, I, I mean, this is actually, uh, I guess it, yeah, this is the first time it's been explicitly called out with the tokens, which I think is good. Um, yeah. So anyway, so so say an opponent has a uh, green sleeves and um, and the player that's playing them has purple sleeves, and the purple player shuffles a card from the green sleeved deck into their library, uh, and it's caught during uh, a game the next round. The fix is now just whoop, to... Whoop, whoop. Sorry, I was actually mistaken there in my notes. Uh, if it's caught during that same game... I, I knew I knew I missed something there. If it's caught during that exact same game, so you're still playing the same opponent, the fix is what I put. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's not what I was going to say, because it didn't work. Oh. Um, so, the yeah, you, you... If it's caught during the same game, then you just shuffle it into the correct... Uh, deck or, or put it in the correct zone if it's the same game because it might yeah. not be supposed to be the, you know uh, uh, and give, give both, both players points. Okay. Uh, if it's a game during the next round, I think we still do the same thing. I don't. I actually don't think so. Now that I'm rereading the RPG, um, I think I think in that situation, one player is getting a game loss. <laughs> Which player would that be? The player with the 59 card deck. But we know what the missing card is, and we know. And it can be located, so downgrading it seems totally appropriate here. Yeah, the downgrade they, they doesn't apply. If, if so, if missing if missing cards are in the current opponent's current deck, opponents, okay, sh- okay, opponent's deck, shuffle them into the owner's deck, uh, and issue warnings to both players. Yep. Um, current. Opponent. So that would the, what's that? Oh, current opponent. So I'm saying it's the next round, right? And we discover, oh, I have this green sleeved card in my deck. What's the deal with that? My deck is legal because we're not counting the green sleeved card. Yeah. The opponent's yeah, deck guy, is illegal. Guy, the opponent deck, he's not gonna. No, but but the so your opponent, your opponent in that situation, still has a legal deck. The the illegal deck is some other right. place in the tournament, right? So we're gonna take the card Correct. that we now know belongs in that other person's deck, mm-hmm. and we're going to find that player, right? Mm-hmm. So so now that player's deck is discovered to be missing cards, and we have the missing cards. Mm-hmm. So oh, okay, we could still right. shuffle it, it into the opponent's is, deck. I don't see why we okay, can't play the deck. If a deck is discovered, well, okay, right. It says if a deck is discovered, it doesn't say if the player discovers that this deck is missing right. cards. So we we will we will just won't issue the warning to the player who found the card. That's the only difference here. But you may no, they may downgrade the penalty to a if warning. If they already started so the game, they presented right. a fifty-nine card deck. Yes, they did. But that's, the, the, the downgrade doesn't actually specifically care about that. Right, right. Yeah. It's discovered to be missing cards after the presentation. Not, not. It doesn't matter where the cards were. Right. 
So if a deck if a deck is discovered to be missing cards, well, who did the discovery? You, the judge. You did the discovery. Missing cards. Uh, and it's after the initial presentation and the shuffle, right. and the missing cards can be located, which they are located because you've got them in your hand. Uh, the head judge may downgrade the penalty to a warning. Yeah, okay. Now the head judge doesn't have. You're not wrong if you don't. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, you're what's the situation a, where you're not? Jerk. Yeah. Okay. No, I'm on board. You all have convinced me. I agree. It's a warning. Uh, so because if you are be... going to find you are going to find judges uh, uh, with a lot of experience who will disagree with that. Um, so if your head judge tells you that we're you're doing something else, don't argue with them too much. Just go with it. Have a discussion afterwards. Yeah, yeah. they're not wrong. If they if they don't downgrade it, they're not wrong. Yeah. So there are stricter interpretations of that. Um, and note, note that this is only for deck legality, uh, having differently sleeved cards in your deck box that aren't tech, that aren't part of your deck uh, is still bad. Well, they've got cards that are obviously not part of the deck. Sleeves are ignored when determining deck legality. So I would say that if if you've got green sleeved cards, oh yeah, that makes sense. In with your sideboard, in with your sideboard, then uh, then those cards are not. Uh, uh, Playable or considered playable cards? Uh, no, I disagree no. again. Yeah. No. No. Yeah, that's that's a game loss. All right, I need to look at the actual thing here. Hold I'm on. pretty sure that was in Toby's yeah. article. That specific example. Was it? Yeah. Go back. <laughs> Man, we we were running so strong. Like yeah, we were. Uh, so. <laughs> yeah, I think also this depends. Like, th- this goes a little bit back to the whole. Uh, could feasibly be played in the deck thing as well. So, for example, if my if you know the guy's got a mono white standard deck, uh, and even though it's a mono white modern deck, and there's a grizzle brand in his sideboard, you can't possibly play. Uh, I'm not going to consider that part of the deck, um, unless it's listed on his deck list for some reason, I guess. But um, yeah, it says right here, different sleeves in the sideboard are still a problem, as they can still be swapped in and out. Oh, okay. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Yeah, and he also not... talks about what we were discussing before, saying that, yeah, that is a warning for both, because it used to be weird, because it was actually a game loss for one and a warning for the other, and that is yeah. not the case anymore. Yeah, so that's... that's So we were right the first time there. Um, oh, it's still a problem if they're the sideboard. I was wrong. Uh, this yeah. is not a thing that you could figure out just by reading the FPG, so keep that in mind. Um, now, the, the, next, the, next, uh, the next change... In the implicit change with the MTR and checklist cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before, um, if you used a if you used a single checklist card uh, in your deck, uh, all of your double face cards had to be represented with checklist cards. So if you as soon as you put one checklist card in your deck, every DFC has to be represented by a checklist card, whether they're the same card or not. Um, now. The change is, if you use a checklist card, then all of that same card needs to be represented. So if you have, if you you can't run like two Jace checklists and two Jace uh, DFCs. Yep. You, they either all have to be Jaces or they all have to be DFCs. But if you run like ran, random, if in your in your limited deck. Uh, you run uh, uh, the, the one of the planeswalkers or one of the the, the mythic flip cards, uh, and you want to use the checklist for that. Flip alert, transform, yeah. uh, double face cards, double face card, not even transform cards, double face cards. 
Uh, yeah, double face cards. And you instead want to, and you want to use just the actual double face cards for your commons that are in your your limited pool. Uh, that's fine. Now, and I think this mostly comes from availability of checklist card issues. So, for example, it might be relatively easy to come by checklist cards for your Jace Vince Prodigy, uh, but really hard to come by checklist cards for your Delver of Secrets for your Legacy yeah. deck. So, all right, makes sense. Yep. Uh, there is actually one other little thing that's kind of thrown in here, and it's uh, uh, policy has changed to where if players have drawn an opening hand, you should not deck check them, right? It used to be you we used to heavily discourage it, but you technically could. I think on our deck check episode, we were very clear that you should never do it. Yeah, basically, but, I think that is true. But now the policy is actually, yeah, you should never do it. Now, yeah, uh, it's, it's, too many people have done bad things. Yeah, let me tell you what this does not preclude. This does not preclude you performing a, a, an investigation by stopping a match and looking at somebody's deck. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, that, that is, if you need to for investigative purposes, that's totally different. But we are not going to perform random or routine deck checks uh, after a game has started. <clears throat> yep. All right. So I think yeah, I think that's it. Uh, we, we made will... it through all the changes. Woo! Yeah, and in pretty good time, honestly. Um, <clears throat> so we're not going to read emails, of course. I don't know why I even put it as a as a potential object item <laughs> in the show notes. That would be a good time, though. Is it? Is, it's the smallest set possible. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. Well, I think it's time that uh, to get into our news. Um, I think it's finally time that we stop welcoming new level three judges. Uh, we just got. A gigantic influx of them. There's like what, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen more. Something, something like. Yeah, that. it's just, it's just. Some oh, you. Busy it's, testing at GPs. This it's week. too many. <laughs> it's ridiculous. They're just letting anybody. They're just letting anybody in. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, they didn't even test. <laughs> right. That's the worst. It's like the the panels. They didn't check. They didn't go through the verification committee. Yeah. Uh, within the last, I don't know, like six months. All their checklist items expired. They had super easy panels. Uh, (laughs) Just sort of happened. There's no one to run the panel. (laughs) So there's been a big level redefinition. Uh, What we're making fun of is that there are no longer level fours or fives, and so there are a ton of new level three judges now. Um, But we're going to, I mean, that's, that's so big, we could not have just covered it in a single topic so there's a lot going on there like we need to talk about the new program coordinators we need to talk about the certifications so we're going to dedicate our entire next episode to that topic the uh first episode i was on for judge cast was the level two redefinition so i feel like it's a, going back to my roots so does this are you going to bookend it is this yeah sort of <laughs> retirement i'm going to leave with this level two redefinition this is the one this is it Push you, push you over the edge. Yeah, <laughs> I'm out. How many times are they gonna? I've lived through two level redevs. So, so uh, that is news, but I don't want to go into it. Yeah, it's like ultimately we decided the IPG changes are actually far more important to people's so, daily lives. So unless something else earth shattering happens, we're just gonna hit it next episode. Yeah. And it should be. The- it's, it's really if you're if you're squarely in your level, then it doesn't impact you at all. Yeah, really. That's true. No, nobody's being deleveled. Like nobody needs to, well, except the fours and fives, but no one else. Yeah, um, yeah we'll talk about it next episode. All right. 
So if you want to contact us and complain about how we did not talk about the one thing you want us to talk about, you can email us at judgecast at gmail.com. Also, Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, because I forgot about it. <laughs> Reddit. We post on there. I post, I mean, the episode. <laughs> you can comment there. If you, if you were going to comment on our posts, uh, I would prefer it was on Reddit than anywhere, because like, we don't have commenting turned on on our website. Or you can just send us an email. Yep. Or find us on Facebook. Uh, or find us individually on Facebook. It's also <laughs> fine. Yeah. All right, guys. Thanks for being on. I think uh, I think this is a, another good one. Another good one. Can't wait to revise it in three weeks, three months, three weeks. Uh, I don't think. I, 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 I think this oh, one is is pretty. I did forget one piece of news, real quick. Uh, <gasps> uh, I have Ugin's band. Oh man, thank you. Wow. Uh, yeah, we need to talk about it. We actually totally missed the ban and restricted announcement last time too, because because we forget, <laughs> like because we always have all yeah. these other much bigger things to talk about. So, so uh, I yeah, I have been banned. Uh, Sword of the Meek and uh, Ancestral Visions Thopter. are unbanned. Yeah, I, I almost said Thopter Foundry was yeah, unbanned, yeah. which it kind, kind of is. It technically kind of is unbanned. No one was playing it before. And they're unbanned in modern. Right in in modern. And uh, then the Lodestone Golem was restricted in Vintage. Yep. Yep. So, and that is all effective uh, now, already. So, great. Thanks. Okay. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thanks, Jess, for throwing that in at the end. My You're name is Peter Schrader. I keep it fair. I'm Jess Dunks, and I keep it fun. I'm Brian Perlman. I keep it to the smallest set possible. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me. Okay, now we're ready? Uh, I was born ready. Alright, good. Well, I mean, not, not exactly. But close. <laughs> he was born incredibly unprepared. Don't let him fool you. I was born... <laughs> I was actually, yeah. I don't think I... Could I be any more unprepared? <laughs> Jeez. Chandler reference. <laughs> Alright. I think that's how you know it's time to start. <laughs>